Well, it could be a week with a bit of volatility this week. The FOMC meets, and will they be talking tapering? We'll look at why bond yields are climbing again and why oil is rising. Plus, the latest inflation numbers, which do tell a very confusing picture. The minefield that Boris Johnson is having to navigate right now and what it means for the pound. And we'll look at what to expect in the RBA minutes this morning, plus US retail sales and UK job numbers today as well. It's Tuesday, the 15th of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, Monday was another day in the US when the Nasdaq was doing okay, but other stocks less so. The Nasdaq was up 0.4%, the Dow down more than 0.7%. Banks particularly not faring well. JP Morgan and uh, the Bank of America both about 2% down. The US dollar is down a little today, having risen more than half percent on Friday. The Aussie dollar also down below 77.1 US cents, having uh, kicked off Friday when we last spoke over 77.5 US cents. Uh, Continuing arguments over Brexit and uh, a Continuing lockdown hasn't hurt the pound too much, which is up a little, although it did lose 0.6% on Friday. And bond yields up in the US. Ten-year Treasury is up five basis points to 1.5% and ending the uh, the drift downwards ahead of the FOMC meeting this week. Uh, yields up across Europe as well. And oil up. Brent is up 0.3% to 729 uh, but it did get to $73.60. Either way, it's the highest it's been since May 2019. So a bit of catching up to do because we skipped Monday, of course, in honour of the Queen. It was also uh, my birthday on Monday. Uh, we, uh, you know, we've got, we've got so much in common. And <laughs> joining us uh, is Ray Attrell, head of FX strategy at Nabin City. That worked rather well having a day off on my birthday, didn't it? Good to see you, Ray. And, uh, we did. And belated, uh, belated happy birthday for, uh, yeah, for Monday. Yeah, it's great to get a public holiday out of, it, isn't it? Uh, look, let's let's look at uh, how we let's quickly catch up at the end of last week. First of all, so the the, the U.S. the Michigan Consumer uh, Read for June is up a little from eighty six point four from eighty two point nine, and the five year in Inflation expectation. I guess this is the important one to look at, that, isn't it? It's down a little to two point eight percent. No, it was strange. Yes, that was probably the standout of that. And um, and we've yeah. had some uh, some New York Fed expectations numbers overnight, which are up. So. Everywhere you look, whatever suits your story about uh, inflation, you can find some data to support yes. it, I would say, at the moment. And, uh, yeah, because the know. New York Fed survey was giving the exact opposite. When their their three-year inflation expectation went from 3.6% in May um, up from 3.1% the month before. That's and right. their one-year expectation, 4%. So what, yeah, as you say, whatever number you want, it's there for you. Well, the other strange thing, going back to the end of last week, is that, um, you know, we... That, that, um, Market-derived inflation expectations. So going back to the to the second consecutive CPI shock that we had last week, um, mm-hmm. you would have thought that would have shown up in what we call break-evens. So sort of market-derived inflation expectations, and um, and they fell, of course. So there is not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason. And just looking at markets, you say the same. You know, the dollar. You know, on a day when Treasury yields have have, have gone back up to one point five, you might have expected the U.S. dollar to get a little bit of support but it but it hasn't really and um you know and equities are you know are very mixed and uh, so it's all telling us that um as i say inflation expectations are you know are up and down um and markets are really sort of they haven't got a clear theme and and inevitably you know we're in the countdown to the fed meeting which is um wednesday so early hours of thursday morning here in australia and um you know not that it's going to be groundbreaking or earth shattering in my view but um clearly more reason for for inaction in, in markets, I would suggest at the moment. So, well, five basis points up for 10-year treasuries, I mentioned in the introduction there. So, I mean, that's quite a bit. But I guess 
yeah, it could all come down, come crashing down again, couldn't it? Because well, it is because because there's so much uncertainty <laughs> about what's going to be said. And yeah. as you say, some, nothing might be said. But but then so many Fed speakers have already said, well, it's time for us to start talking about it. That it would be hard for them to go through a meeting without mentioning tapering, wouldn't it? I think so. Certainly during the press conference, at least, I think some acknowledgement will have to come through. But yes, but just on those tens, I mean, again, going back to the CPI numbers last week, you know, who would have thought that um, it would have pushed 10-year treasuries down to almost 1.4%, I think 1.42, mm. 1.43 was the low. Most of us were scratching our heads on there. And, um, you know, we always come up with the excuse, well, it must be market positioning. The market must be short. And, and certainly there was some evidence from that, from, um, you know, the likes of the JP Morgan an investor survey. Um, so I do think there's something to that, but we're all thinking, well, it doesn't make, you know, it really doesn't make sense for 10-year treasuries to be quite so low. And here we are, you know, back at 1.5. So the story, you know, I think, you know, if there is a theme since the end of last week is that we're, we're running into the Fed. Um, the market doesn't really want to be, I would suggest, sort of long, too long US treasuries. It doesn't want to be short US dollars. And then so we've had a little bit of a short covering uh, rally in the US dollar. And we've had a little bit of, um, um, you know, covering of shorts, I think, in um, you know, initially in, in the bond market, but obviously now thinking, what uh, do we really want to be running, you know, long positions into the into the Fed? So I think pre-FOMC positioning is certainly the name of the game. And, you know, as you suggest, they can't avoid talking about tapering, even though, you know, there's, there's really two bites of the cherry. There's the post-FOMC statement, which I think will be the usual kind of straight back, you know, nothing to see here, waiting for sustainable progress uh, towards our objectives. But obviously, Jay Powell is going to be quizzed pretty hard um, if he doesn't already volunteer, um, you know, up front what happens regarding the discussions on tapering. And I think given we know that four or five FOMC members have started to agitate for an early discussion on, um, you know, on, on tapering. You know, I think we will see some acknowledgement, but but in terms of, say, a formal announcement that uh, the tapering discussions have begun, um, I think that's probably one for for one of the upcoming meetings rather than this week's. Right. Now, what about uh, what's happening in the UK? Because we had uh, their GDP at the end of last week, which was no surprises there. Their three-month moving average for April came in at 1.5%, which I think what was, what, what was expected. But the pound is struggling a bit. Presumably that's because Boris is also struggling. He's uh, just announced a lockdown for another, well, it's going to be five weeks before they ease the, the final lockdown measures in the UK. But he's also struggling to get a resolution over the Northern Ireland Protocol as well, uh, which will, is going to be fully enforced at the end of this month. And, uh, and EU leaders have been threatening the UK PM with a uh, with a trade war. It's all looking a bit ugly. So I guess that that's probably creating some weakness for the pound, is it? Yes, I think a little bit. But, uh, you know, certainly I'd, I'd say, you know, the extension of the lockdown was, was really not unexpected, wasn't it, given that no. um, what's been happening in the, in the recent few weeks, at least, with the spread of the Indian variant, increased hospitalizations. you know, and to his credit, I think, you know, PM. Johnson has been saying, look, whatever we're going to do, we're not going to go backwards. I don't mind stopping going forwards in terms of further, um, you know, further opening. And I think most people think that's the sensible policy, at least. And, you know, and justified on the basis that a month or, you know, given that the UK vaccination rate is as high as it is, um, you know, another month could make another material difference in terms of, you know, getting up there to, to you know, what, what might be herd immunity, for example. So, no, I don't think Sterling is really suffering from that. But yes, but, uh, you know, going into the G7 meeting, 
saying, you know, the vibe was that uh, Boris was going to get an earful from Prime Minister, from uh, um, President Biden. And, um, you know, and whether he did or not, it clearly is something that uh, I think he's been left yeah. in no uncertain terms that he has to resolve this to the satisfaction, not just of the EU, um, but also of the, uh, of the US. Assuming he does, then that might take a little bit of weight well, off the, the pound. But if he doesn't, then I do think there are. There are some implications there for uh, for trading relationships and um, with some potential negative consequences for the pound. Well, I mean, they've been working on it since 2016 to sort out this this border issue. Now they've got two weeks. Uh, two weeks, two weeks is hey, an age in EU-UK negotiations. Yeah, I, I guess so. I look, he's uh, supposedly, reading the AFR this morning, we've got this trade deal uh, between Australia and the UK, which might actually be signed uh, uh, today uh, in the UK. We'll wait and see what happens on that. Maybe, maybe that'll act as a useful diversion uh, from the main game. Now, what is happening with oil? There's some uh, people who are predicting that, you know, if demand picks up, we could get back to uh, 100 million barrels a day, and that means oil could get up to $100 a barrel. I mean, do you think that's likely? And then that would be very bad for inflation, wouldn't it? And, you know, and, and demand at the time when we're all trying to lead to an economic recovery. Yes, I mean, there isn't, I haven't seen a particular sort of news story that's driven it up, but there is a sort of background theme that's going on and it applies not just to oil. And that is that, um, you know, given the, you know, the lack of, of appetite for investment, particularly in fossil fuels, um, because, you know, we're looking to the, hopefully the sunny uplands of, a, of an ESG driven world where of, of renewable energy, um, what that means is that we're going to see less investment in you know, mm. traditional fossil fuels. And that's also being fueled by a lot of investor or shareholder activism where, you know, the experience, particularly here of the last commodities broom, was that, um, you know, obviously the resources companies went on these massive investment sprees, ended up having to write down huge amounts of assets. Um, shareholders ended up getting a, getting a raw deal. And now the pressure from shareholders is for dividends and capital repayments over reinvestment. So that is sort of further compounding the issue that, um, you know, until we get to this brave new world of, uh, of renewable energy, we're still going to be reliant on fossil fuels. And if there's going to be no investment, even in replacing um, you know, capacity that is increasingly depleted as, as wells are drained, whether it's gas or oil, it's you know, the risk is that supply and demand will actually push prices up mm. in, in the interim. Well, I guess that means we're going to move to those alternate sources faster, doesn't it? So I guess that's the, the upside on all of that. Look, the RBA minutes for June's meeting are out today. Not much in them, presumably, uh, because we're all waiting for July uh, when we expect things will happen. Yeah, no, I think it really should be the proverbial um, dead rubber because the RBA has made very clear that that next month's meeting is the one where they will pontificate and then, um, you know, and pass a decree about what happens with the YCC policy and uh, and then QE3, if you like, or in what form, if at all, QE3 will take. We're not expecting YCC to be rolled forward to November, but we are looking for some indication that, um, that that. QE bomb buying could uh, could ease off in, in the months ahead, but we do have a speech from uh, from Phil Lowe tomorrow. So there's keen interest in that. He's up in uh, um, you know the agricultural heartland of, of Queensland in, in Toowoomba, and um, so there's some uh, anticipation. At the farm institute that you might give us. By, a, by the way, I've got that is actually on Thursday. It's, it's not but no, but obviously there's keen interest on whether or not he might offer you know any sort of hints about what the RBA is thinking about uh, about those two key issues. Right on Thursday and today. Uh, we get the uh, the Q1 property prices uh, for Australia, GQ1. That seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? 
Uh, no, absolutely. Although um, you know, the market gets gets property prices almost in real time now from uh, from Core Logic. So these numbers are for Q one, and we're already in June. So we're very much sort of backward looking, but we'll confirm. You know that uh, house prices across the country, you know, likely went up in the order of five or six percent, or five to six percent. Five percent is the consensus. We're at six percent. So uh, really confirming something that, uh, that that we already know. So, um, um, but that's really about the, the headline as far as our time zone here is concerned. And uh, also later. So later on today, we get uh, U.S. retail sales for May as well. Now, that's been held back a bit, hasn't it, by car parts. Uh, but the X auto number, I guess, is going to be important because we obviously want to see the speed of their recovery. No, absolutely. But those numbers, again, are, you know, have been pretty volatile because March was the, the month when most people got that $1,600 stimulus check and went on a bit of a spending spree. There's been a bit yeah. of a payback from that. So, you know, depending on what – there's so many different ways you can cut these retail sales numbers and you say, you know, lack of new car supply something that will dampen them so um, there'll be a fair bit of volatility across those but uh, of interest for sure and uh, we do know that US consumers are still pretty cashed up because a lot of the um, you know the stimulus payments have not yet been spent and uh, the UK jobs market we get their their employment numbers as well later on the unemployment rate and uh, I guess more importantly the average earnings is it because we're going to be looking at all of these aren't we and going to say well what, what are the inflation signs in all of these no absolutely and earning, I think generally in the US and uh, you know even down here in Australia you know the, the anecdotal evidence of, of firms having to pay higher wages to, to retain staff or you know higher staff is, is there and uh, yeah to what extent is this you know the discussion will turn from transitory inflation to transitory wage increases and uh, you know, to what extent they are sustainable as hopefully labour markets more fully, uh, you know, get back to normal. So, uh, but so, yeah, certainly interest in, uh, in that number in the UK tonight. Right. And Philip Lane, the ECB chief economist, is going to be talking at the ECB conference on forecasting techniques. I th- you'd be very excited about that, wouldn't you? I should imagine. Uh, but, I'll try. Uh, I'll try my best. To, to, to get excited all by yourself. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be quite a volatile week, I think, isn't it? So it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, good to talk, Ray. Catch you soon. Thanks, Phil. You know when I say it's going to be a volatile week, it's going to be as flat as a pancake, isn't it? That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.